John chapter 11. The Bible says in verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Here we are looking at this family that Christ had a relationship with all through the Gospels. We, we actually looked at this at Christmas time, the contrast between Mary and Martha, uh, and, and Martha, how she was cumbered about with much serving, and Mary, she was that one that washed Jesus' feet and wiping them with their hair. But the Bible tells us in John chapter 5, that, or John chapter 11 and verse 5, and Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved the whole family. He loved them all. And as we see here, their brother Lazarus becoming sick. Mary and Martha, they did the right thing in calling the Savior. They did the right thing in calling the Savior. You know, you, you ask the question, what do we do when we don't know what to do? Pray. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, it should be, what do we do when we think we know what to do? Pray. Because we need the Lord even when we think we've got everything under control, when everything's going well, we need the Lord just as much as when we realize that we don't have everything under the control. The Bible does say in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, in everything by prayer. In everything by prayer. Wouldn't that be good throughout this year as we started making decisions and directions for our life? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. This family member is sick. This family member is in trouble and they did the right thing. They went to the Lord. You know, the Lord can still heal. He has the same power. God is the same God of the Old Testament, of the Gospels, of the New Testament. God can still heal. You know, I'm convinced that when we think of a healing God, though, many people today, they want this experience of a healer. Like, Naaman did. Remember the story in the book of Kings when Naaman, this general, this great warrior, heard from the maid that there was a prophet in Israel that could heal him of his leprosy? And so he goes out there to meet the prophet. Remember that? And he goes out there, and the prophet doesn't even come out of his house to meet this great general. He says, go down there to the muddy river and dip seven times. And you know what Naaman did? He got angry. He says in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 11, but Naaman was wroth and went away and said, I thought he would surely come out and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover me of his leprosy. Naaman thought that there was going to be some big, big deal happen when the prophet come out and heal him like this. But you know what the prophet said to him? Go humble yourself, Naaman. Go humble yourself. Go down to that muddy river and dip seven times. Wouldn't be the last time that Jesus healed someone with mud. Sometimes in our life we feel like we're down in the mud, but it might be just what we need for the Lord to bring us and give us deliverance, to give us healing in our lives. The mud sometimes is a good place, although we don't like it. 
Bible says in James 5.14, Is any sick among you, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. He says in verse 16, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This is a call to prayer. A call to say, hey, listen, in the decisions in our life, in the trouble and the circumstances and sickness and whatever it is that we face in our family, with our friends, the first thing we should do, not the last thing, not the, I've tried everything else, so let's pray, right? I've tried everything else, so let's pray. I've I've talked to every expert about the situation, so now we're going to pray. No, no, no. As Christians, as followers of Christ, this is the first thing we do. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. This last Wednesday night when I was gone, Finnegar taught the Bible study and he taught on prayer and fasting. So this Friday, I'm going to ask that the church take a, a fast one meal. Watch, Friday. I'll, I'll be, I'll, I won't be here next Sunday. Jeff will be preaching. I'll be leaving Friday uh, to preach a missions conference in Mexico. Be back on Monday, so it's a three-day Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Uh, in, in Mexico, 15 churches that have been planted by uh, the Gomez brothers down there that we support. Um, all coming together for a missions conference. So I'll be in the plane. I'm not going to eat lunch from noon to one. All of us kind of... It's easy, not to eat. And the trick here... <laughs> so it's because it's easy for me, I'm going to ask everybody else. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean you eat breakfast at 11 and dinner at 3. I know how your mind's already thinking here. But spend a half an hour, an hour in prayer, if you would, for the church. For each other. For the troubles that maybe you face for your lost family members. Listen... God helping us. We want to build the church building on 73. We, we, we're praying that the building is Kettering sells soon. You say, is there any interested buyers? No, but there could be. We, we want God to see some fruitfulness. We have this, pray for me in Mexico. Pray for the, pray for the orphanage in India. Listen, prayer should be a big part of our Christian life. Of what we're doing. We have a good picture here with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus of a Christian family. As we read the Gospels, they they accepted Christ into their home, right? They served Christ. They worshipped Christ. They communed with Christ, broke bread. But yet trouble came into their home. You know, isn't that a hard thing to understand sometimes? A good Christian family, hey, we're doing everything right, right? We're walking with the Lord and then all of a sudden tragedy. Right? Then all of a sudden Lazarus sick unto death. This is hard, hard for us to get from time to time, but it's a true fact that sometimes the Lord's doing it for a reason. Look at verse 4 of John 11. When Jesus heard that, He said the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Jesus said, listen, I I know what's going on. This is a hard fact, but sometimes trouble, tribulation, temptation in somebody's life, this is hard for us to get, but we know it's true eventually that God allows it 
for His glory. And our, all of us as Christians, we want the glory of God revealed in our life, but we don't want sometimes the trouble. Listen, as Christians, I know this, and this is how the message is going to end. Never will there be ultimate defeat. Not for a believer, not for a Christian. But there is temporary setbacks. Especially from a worldly perspective. When you're looking at it from a worldly perspective and not an eternal perspective, you can see temporary setbacks. But what did Paul talk about in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 17? He says this. This is a good verse to underline in, in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I like how he used light and far more exceeding weight for a moment and eternal. He used time and weight here to show, hey, the things that we suffer, the things that we face down here, nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says this, which takes Christian faith to believe. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmity, that the power of God may rest upon me. Paul said, listen, I've learned that sometimes the most powerful place to be is when I'm the most weakest. When I realize in myself that I have nothing to give. And I am completely and totally dependent upon the power of God in my life. That's a good place for a Christian, although sometimes it's uncomfortable. But that's where we can grow. And that's where we get that fruitfulness. It's interesting here, in in one of Jesus' most famous miracles of defeating death, in the middle of this story, in this narrative... In John 11, verse 8 and verse 16, look at that with me. Verse 8, he says, The disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and thou goest thither again. They said, listen, if you go there to see Lazarus, the Jews are looking to kill you. And then in verse 18, Thomas says, kind of sarcastically, All right, Lord, if you're going to go, then we'll go with you and all die together, you know. Here the Lord is going to perform a miracle to show His power over death and the disciples are worried about what? Dying. Isn't isn't the fear of death pretty universal? Isn't the fear of death, I mean, in in all cultures, and all societies, isn't the fear of death pretty universal? Let me say it like this. If there was a group of people, if there was a group of people that had no fear of death, wouldn't they be peculiar? Wouldn't they be different? Wouldn't that be something? If there was a group of people, and as far as Christians are concerned, God gives us the faith and the victory to be overcome death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55, the Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Taunting it, saying, listen, God has delivered us from death. It's, it's, it's been a privilege from time to time to be with a believer, a Christian, as they pass, and they have no fear in death. 
I think of my grandma that just passed away this last year. And uh, she was there, and my mom had several sisters that had not accepted Christ yet. And she was passing away. She, she said to them, I'm going to heaven. You guys got to come too. She was just as excited about going to heaven as if the Lord would save her. There's no fear in death for the believer. Why? Because where we're going is so far greater. And it's eternal. Jesus here in this story, He was no hurry to go and to raise up Lazarus. Why? Because Jesus knew when Lazarus was going to die. And Jesus knew when He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Right? He knows everything. He knows all these things. So... If we, have a, if we have a God, if we have a Savior that loves us, that knows all these things, that should bring some peace to mind. That should bring some joy that we are in God's hands. Look at verse 21. As Martha is dealing with this in John 20, 11, 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. That's pretty great faith. Would you agree with me? That Martha truly believed that if Jesus was there, that Lazarus wouldn't have died. That's great faith, isn't it? But then look at the next verse. Verse 22. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask God, God will give it to thee. You know what Martha's saying? And Martha gets kind of a bad rap, doesn't she? From time to time, she's the one that was... She was the one that was serving when Mary was worshiping, and the Lord said Mary's doing the better part. But let me ask you, is this great faith or what? Martha said, Lord, if you'd have been here, Lazarus would have died, but even now, he's dead. Whatever you say, you can do. That's great faith. That's faith like Abraham had. That's, what, that's the faith that Abraham had when, he, when God told him to offer up his son Isaac and it, Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that Isaac believed, or Abraham believed that if Isaac died, God was still going to be able to raise him from the dead. That's great faith. Listen, I believe that that is the faith that God is trying to bring to us as believers, is that God can do anything. That He has the power over death, our greatest fear maybe. This is a resurrection mindset. That's the title of this morning's message. A resurrection mindset. A mindset that says, listen, God God has everything under control. God can do anything. Even He can give me eternal life. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, talking about Jesus Christ. He says, I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. Saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. And then here's one of the names of Christ I love. The Almighty. He says, I am He that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and death. This is the victorious King of Kings, Jesus Christ, 
that we that we serve. Look at look at verse twenty five of John eleven. Jesus said unto her, "I am the resurrection and the life." Listen, when the resurrection and the life shows up to the funeral, things are going to change. He says, "I am the resurrection and the life." He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? We call ourselves what? Believers, right? You know what we believe? You know one of the fundamental things we believe in as Christians? The resurrection. The resurrection. Jesus Christ, He died for our sins. He was the sacrifice for our sins. His blood was shed to pay our sins. But had He not rose the third day to show His victory over death, it would be a whole different story. We believe in the resurrection. And Jesus is saying to Martha, He said, if you believe in Me, you shall never die. Believe us all this. I'm asking you. And I know we're, we're Christians. And so we say, yeah, we believe, we believe, we believe. But do we? I mean, do in deep down in our heart, do we believe that we have eternal life? That this life is not all there is. That one day we're going to close our eyes here and open our eyes in eternity with the Lord. We have eternal life. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Believest thou this? As a believer... We'll never die. We'll just fall asleep. Jesus, if we were to read this whole passage in, in John 11, when, when Jesus first heard about Lazarus being sick, He said to His disciples, He said, Lazarus sleepeth. We're going to go and wake him up. You know what His disciples said? Oh, if he's sleeping, you know, don't wake him up. Jesus said, no, no, no. Let me, let me explain it to you. He's dead. But for a believer, we're sleeping. The body, the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our soul is present with the Lord the moment that we take our last breath and our body is just awaiting the resurrection so that we can have that glorified body. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That you saw are not as others which have no what? Hope. Listen, as Christians, as believers, we have hope. When, when we are at a funeral of another believer, a, a, a brother or sister of ours, it's goodbye, but not goodbye forever. It's goodbye for now. I'll see you again. We have the hope of eternal life and the hope of the resurrection. He says in verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians 4, For if I believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. We're just asleep. One day we're going to hear that voice, come up hither. And the resurrection will be known to us. Look at verse 27. He says, And Jesus said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son Son of God, which should come into the world. She said, I believe. I believe. That's what she was saying to him. I believe. Remember as we started this uh, study in John, John said the reason why he wrote his gospel was so that we would believe 
and that believing we would have eternal life. This, this is something that I keep saying over and over, but I, I, don't, I think it's simple, but sometimes we miss it. Is as Christians, we have to be believing believers. I mean, really, exercise our faith. He said we're to walk by faith, not by sight. You see, what's that mean? It means that this, looking down here and all the circumstances and the things that are going on is not everything. Having that eternal mindset, trusting in God in every circumstance and in everything that we face and in all that we go through. Look at verse 39. John eleven thirty nine. 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Jesus Christ comes in and he confronts death. The ugliness of it, the terribleness of it, the tragedy of it, he confronts death. And he's the only one that could confront death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one of the most wonderful chapters starts off in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel. Then he explains what the gospel is, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and all the witnesses that saw the resurrected Christ. And then he takes the rest of the chapter, long chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, and talks about what that means to us, that Jesus Christ raised rose from the dead. The victory that we have in the resurrection. And in the middle of that, he says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. One day, death will be destroyed. One day, he'll do away with death. One day, when we have these glorified bodies, there'll be no more tears, no more death, no more pain. We'll be living in a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible says in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, He destroyed death. He destroyed the enemy, Satan. You say, but they're still at work. We still see death. We still see the acts of evil. Yeah, but the time is numbered. Just as he knew the day that Lazarus would die and that Lazarus would be risen, he knows when death will be done, when death will be defeated. Look at verse 42, John chapter 11. He says, Uh, No, verse 43. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Can you picture this? Sometimes you read through your Bible and don't think about, you know, what it would have been like. There was people there watching this. Jesus, Lazarus, come forth. In verse 44. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. 
Wow. Can you imagine that? He cried with this loud voice. You know, this loud voice kind of correlates with a couple passages that talk about the resurrection. In 1 Thessalonians, resurrection of the church, that is, the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 18, the Bible says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and then the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Then he says this, comfort one another with these words. You know what the words that we get comfort from is the words of God that says, listen, death is defeated. We're going to be, we're going to hear that. If if you pass away before the resurrection, the rapture of the church, you're going to have a Lazarus experience one day. You're going to hear that. Come forth and get to experience that. He says in Revelation 4, 1 and 2, After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking to me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, the throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. This resurrection, this, ras- this, this uh, rapture of the church, there's pictures of this with people in the Old Testament. The first one is Enoch. Enoch was 365 years old. He, he was a picture of the Gentile, the Gentile church, Gentile year, 365 days. And Enoch was 365 years old, and the Bible says in Genesis 5.24, and Enoch walked with God and was not... For God took him. He was caught up. He was taken up. It's interesting that he was caught up and taken up right before the flood. Right before the judgment came upon the earth. Just as the church. Just as the, the, church, the believers will be caught up in the rapture right before the tribulation. Enoch is a picture of the church being taken up, being caught up before the coming judgment. He said to, he said to, uh, to the people there, he said to, to, to loosen and let him go. Take off those old grave clothes and put on the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that what he did to us? Didn't Jesus Christ cover our sin with his righteousness, imputed righteousness? Those robes of white that the Bible talks about in Revelation covers our sin, justifies. He says, take off, take off those grave clothes, loosen them. Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Isn't it good to feel that you are not condemned? I, I know it wouldn't take long for me to convince everyone in here that we have sinned. That we're sinners. But the Bible says in John chapter 3 that... that we don't have to be condemned if we believe and trust in the payment that Jesus Christ made. He says there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. If you feel condemned, that's not from the Lord. That's something evil. That's something bad trying to make you feel the guilt. Hey, listen, if you've experienced salvation, you've been forgiven. He says in verse 2 of that passage, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. 
we get this new glorified body. It'll be no. It'll be. It'll not be sinful. It'll not be corruptible. It'll not be mortal. It'll be eternal. He rose. Brought Lazarus back from the dead. You know what I find is one of the most interesting passages uh, in John here is in John chapter 12. Flip over there with me. John chapter 12 and verse 9. This is after, obviously, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus is a walking testimony. That's what we are, right? A new life in Christ for a walking testimony. He said, uh, hey, I, I once was dead. You know, some people will say, hey, I once was lost, but now I'm found. John chapter 12 and verse 9, the Bible says, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, talking about Jesus, and, and, and they came, not or Lazarus, not for Jesus' sake only, but they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Look at this verse, verse 10. But the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. I, I don't know. I think that's funny. Jesus just rose Lazarus, brought Lazarus back from the dead, and the, and the best thing that they can do to shut him up is kill him. But that didn't work. I mean, Jesus had just brought him back from the dead. Isn't that interesting? I know this sounds... But the best that evil can do is kill the body. That's the best that Jesus said that. He said, fear not them that can kill the body. I mean, that's the best that evil can do. But Jesus, he gave eternal life. Let me ask you, what is greater? Temporary life or eternal life? Listen, this was just an amazing miracle that Jesus did in Lazarus' life. He brought him back from the dead. But, but before we start thinking that Jesus did something so great to Lazarus that he hasn't done to us, stop for a second and realize what, how far greater the eternal life that he gave us through salvation. That's why it's called born again. The life that he gave us by salvation is far greater than the extra years that he added on to Lazarus's temporary life. He gave us eternal life. That's a miracle. That's a miracle that has happened in each one of our lives. He's given us eternal life. I'm talking about us as believers having a resurrection mindset. That we're going to live forever, that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. We cannot be defeated. Ultimately, if we walk in faith as Christians, as we, isn't that a good thought? As we walk in faith, as, if we walk in faith as Christians, the only way that we can be defeated as Christians uh, temporarily is if we walk in doubt and fear. Not trusting God and following Him. But if we walk in faith, like Paul, what's the worst that can happen? I know it sounds crazy, but I'm going to heaven. That's how Paul did ministry as he went into as he went into cities that were hostile to him. He said, "To be with Christ is far better." That's what he right. said. That's what he said. To be with Him is far better. 
I want to leave us with this thought, John 11, 47. <sighs> the Pharisees and the, the, the ruling Jews at that time, they were a mess. After Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, look what they did. Verse 47. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doth many miracles. They said, let's get a group of people together and try to figure out what to do with Jesus. Because he just does these miracles. You know what they should have done? Believed. They should have just believed. But instead of looking at them and trying to condemn them, look at in your own life and say, what do we? What do we? What are we going to do with this resurrection that we've been given? We have eternal life living inside of us. We have the power of God living inside of us. So what do we do? What do we? All of us. Believe it. Walk in faith. Walk in faith. No fear of death. We don't have to have that fear of death. We can have and live in victory. Let your life bring glory to God. What do we? As a church, as a people, we have to be, listen, we have to be believers and Christians of action. That if we believe Christ, therefore we live. Why do we do what we do? Why do we live the way we live? Why do we have the joy? Why do we have the faith? Because He lives. Because He's given us eternal life. Because we have the resurrection, I will not live for just this earth and earthly goods and earthly fulfillment. It cannot satisfy anyhow. The greatest experiences on this earth physically will not ultimately satisfy. But what will is Christ and His joy and His peace that He gives. This is why we do what we do. Because we believe we're going to be fruitful. We're going to be fearless followers. Say it. Fruitful, fearless Followers, get a tattoo if you have to. Remember this. <laughs> Fruitful, fearless followers. Why? Because he lives. Listen, Lord, you've given us life. You've made it possible for anyone, everyone, whosoever, to trust you and receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. God, I pray if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they just accept you, believe you, trust you, repent of their sins and take you as their Lord and Savior and begin to follow you, have the hope of the resurrection. God, as believers, help us to be believing believers, walking in faith, not in fear, being fruitful, fearless followers. God, please help us this year to see your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.